Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever works for you. I'm not quite sure, but welcome Desert Breeze Community Church. So glad to see you. I'm very excited to uh, give you this week's announcements. Uh, pardon the uh, scruffiness. I've been doing some social distancing for my razor a little bit. But anyways, we are very excited. We're so thankful that God has fueled our church family to continue to be the church and to continue to watch weekend services. Um, we have the ability to look at how many views we have on our website and our vid videos, and it really appears that our attendance did not go down, could possibly have gone up in some ways. But uh, there was some data that showed that uh, sometimes it's true that we all get distracted. And so uh, uh, we want to just encourage you to understand that sometimes convenience gives us the option to put things off. And so we want to encourage you to not be distracted, to continue to uh, eliminate distractions in your home, wherever you might be watching weekend services, uh, to do that for your, your family and yourself, and to maybe even think about regularly watching the church service during the time that you would normally do so, and to, to also to continue to watch the entire message. Uh, one of the things that I'm thankful for it is thankful for is that uh, I get to uh, put Pastor Ray on pause while I finish my coffee or go to the bathroom. But uh, again, just watch the entire message. It's really, really important that our spiritual diet does not go down during times like this, but actually goes up. So keep it up. Continue watching the services and share that opportunity with other people, everybody that you know. One of the awesome things, the things that we uh, saw this past week was that through our staff and our uh, American Sign Language volunteers that we were able to post a uh, service in the version for our, our deaf community. And uh, those members that you regularly attend our church are usually about 10. But uh, with those few people sharing the uh, ASL uh, version of our service, uh, that we had over 100 views just on that version of the service. And so we are so thankful for them and want to encourage them to continue doing so. But we praise God for that and, and uh, for him spreading our words. We're also thankful for those of you that continued giving. Uh, we're so thankful. We know it's tough times right now, but you're really showing that you do trust God and uh, your faithful contributors and what he is doing through Desert Breeze to, uh, to continue to uh, light the way and the way of giving. And so that is just amazing. And so if, if you've never given online, we've created a new small video that you can watch uh, and uh, the links will take you to the transaction. And the way that you do that is you go to our website, dbcc.com, look for the give button, just punch that button and you can watch the video and uh, uh, go on to making a transaction if, uh, if that's what you want to do. But uh, thank you so much for your faithful giving and trusting God in that way. The church is still in full operations. We're still giving to our missionaries. And so those are some things to consider uh, as you consider giving. Um, we also are continuing to develop useful content. And uh, we're trying to actually provide more content than we usually do because we recognize that you have some extra time on your hands. And like I said, we want to make sure that your spiritual diet is actually increased and more healthier than ever uh, uh, in light of what's going on. So 
some things that we're going to do. We're going to continue to post the uh, weekend service online. We're also looking into adding a live streaming session on Sunday nights with Pastor Ray and some of the other staff members to answer your questions that you can send in through that live stream, uh, but also going through the growing notes a little bit. You can also look for things like uh, multiple blogs from our pastors, uh, some in-home online discipleship opportunities for men, for women, for parents, and for marriages. And we're also looking into other ideas to help you to stay connected virtually uh, in a live setting. Um, one of the things that we're doing is we're still planning to offer Easter weekend baptism services, whether we can do services here on campus or not. So we are encouraging you, if you'd like to be baptized here at Desert Breeze on Easter weekend, to contact the church office at 374-4588, that's 602-374-4588, and we will baptize you right here at the church, and uh, we're going to record those baptisms for everyone to see and include that on our online weekend service uh, for Easter weekend, if that's uh, what we need to do. Um, we're continuing to look at the situation. We're, we're living out that 15-day pause that uh, our local officials have encouraged to slow down the virus, and we'll keep you updated as much as we can about when we'll be getting together, and we're hoping and praying that that's going to be sooner than later. Uh, but here's some church facility updates. Uh, the cases in Arizona continues to increase dramatically, and that has to do with the more tests that are done. But nevertheless, we're continuing to make precautions. One of the newer things that we're deciding to do is to protect everyone, um, that we're not going to allow any groups of any size to meet here at Desert Breeze other than those uh, facility use needs that have to do with our staff being here. And uh, so we'll keep you posted about what happens beyond the 15-day point. Um, we're also uh, going to be providing information for groups and leaders if you do decide to meet in your home for any reason, whether it's to do your life group or watch weekend services. If you want those special instructions and precautions, you can just email amy at dbcc.com and she will mail those things off to you. But whatever you're doing, we encourage you to continue to be the church, the church with no walls. And whatever you're doing, we encourage you to post your comments on our Desert Breeze Facebook page and your pictures. Show us how you're doing church and being the church to meet the needs not only of your own spiritual health, but of others. And tell us about what God is doing in you and through you. If you have practical needs, if you need prayer, if you need encouragement, or if you just need to vent and talk to someone, we encourage you not to use social media to do those things. There's enough negativity out there right now, but we welcome you to reach in to your life groups. Talk to your leaders and those that you're doing life with uh, in your life groups. Or just call the church office and we'll be happy to talk to you and pray for you and encourage you. But whatever the day brings, um, stay strong and remember what James 1, 3, and 4 says. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its fullest effect, that you may be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. We praise God for you. We're praying for our entire church family. We're thankful for you. And uh, 
So that's the weekend announcements. Thank you so much. God bless you. And we'll talk to you again next week. As a breeze, let's worship together and praise our Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to
remember that we are saved by grace and grace alone. I was an orphan lost at the fall, running away when I'd hear you call. Father, you were at your will. I had no righteousness of my own. I had no right to draw near your throne. Father, you love me still. Yeah, I didn't love before you laid the world's foundation. You predestined to adopt me as your own. Above my station, I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone. You left your home to seek out the lost, you knew the great and terrible cost.
Let's sing together, awake my soul and sing. Christ, who is our anchor. Let's sing together. Christ, the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm. When the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn. In the suffering, in the sorrow, where my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor, it shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages on When temptation claims the battle And it seems the night has won Deeper still than rosy anchor Though I justly stand accused I will hold fast to the anchor It shall never be removed. 
together Psalm 46.
trespasses and sins you are the giver of our faith and none of us would believe apart from your regenerating grace you made these hearts of stone into hearts of flesh let us put aside boasting in the light of your undeserved mercy please give us faith that overcomes fear fear of sickness and loss and even death. We are desperate for you. Please, God, open our eyes to the truth in your word. We love you. We need you. It's in your precious name that together we say, amen. Hey, Desert Breeze, good to have you with us. Welcome. Uh, We hope your time with us is enjoyable, but most importantly, that we help you to have a faith that can overcome any kind of fear that you might have in your life. That's what we're going to talk about here this uh, weekend. And uh, I want to also say that I hope and pray all is well with you and your family and your friends. And I, 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 along with that, wanted you to know that this last weekend we had over 420 views on last weekend's worship service. That's 420 views. And so I know that with my family, we had nine adults watching that service. But what was crazy about what we posted is that we had over 200 views on our ASL worship service, our American Sign Language worship service. That is amazing. 200 
And uh, so I know that many of you are watching this with your family and friends. Uh, Keep up the good work. Thanks for staying connected. And so we've been working our way through 1 John, a study through 1 John, Know That You Know God. And we now come to the last two uh, messages of this series, and we're going to talk about consequences of fellowship, the consequences of intimacy with God. And the, and the one we're looking at this weekend is faith that overcomes fear. And next weekend, we will look at spiritual warfare. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 5. We'll be reading in just a moment verses 1 through 13. You can also grab your sermon notes out if you have them handy. If you need to, you can pause right now and go grab them or download them and grab your Bible also. But uh, look at your sermon notes here at the, at the top of your sermon notes. The coronavirus has put, a, put our world on edge, to say the least. And as the number of confirmed cases grow, so does fear and uncertainty. I haven't seen this kind of panic since 2008 with the financial crash and the 2001 9-11 terrorist attacks. People are panicking and it's, it's, it's amazing what we're seeing. Now, here's my question is that as Christians, how should we be responding to this pandemic? That's a great question, isn't it? Yeah, we should be responding quite different than the world responds. There's no doubt about it. And, and so we should respond with faith that overcomes fear. And this is what our text helps us with. I love the realism of the Bible. I mean, it doesn't pull any punches. It tells us just like it is. It talks about the sin and suffering all around us. But it also helps us to embrace even a greater reality, and that is a God that's bigger than all the sin and suffering in our lives. Uh, Let me quote uh, the great work of art, The Princess Bride. Life is pain. Life is pain, Highness. And anyone who says differently is selling you something. That is so true. Listen, the Bible is not selling you anything. It, it shoots straight with you. It's in touch with reality. And so Christianity is not a denial of the reality of this pandemic, but embracing a greater reality that we have a God who is bigger than this pandemic and we have a God who is stronger than anything that we will ever face. And so faith that overcomes fear begins by going to God and confessing and naming our fears. And and that's what I want to do just for a moment here. It is important uh, to be honest to God about what is weighing you down. And uh, so here's my list of what I think is happening all around us in this pandemic. Uh, Fear of getting the virus and and dying from it. Fear of your elderly family and friends getting the virus and dying from it. Fear of the stock market and economy crashing. Fear of losing your job or losing the business you put your blood, sweat, and tears in. By the way, we've already had people in our congregation that have already lost their job over this. And and then... Also, fear that you won't be able to retire when you had planned. Fear of not being able to finish your education and pursue career opportunities. Fear of not having enough money or enough food or enough medicine. Or how about this? Fear of not having enough toilet paper. (laughs) I still can't figure that one out. That's really crazy. And uh, there's been a run on toilet paper, and I just wanted to tell everybody that if you need some toilet paper, I will sell you a roll for $100 
okay? So $100, just call me up and I'll bring one over to you. Just kidding, of course. So there's, there's also fear from feeling powerless and unable to protect yourself. There has been a run on guns and ammo. And um, that's crazy. There's a fear of the loneliness and isolation of social distancing, the fear of how long this is going to last and how bad it's going to get. And so maybe you could add to that your own list and maybe you, ho- you have a totally different set of fears. We all have fears that we must face with our faith. So faith that overcomes fear is what we're looking at and there's three questions you can see there on your notes that I believe this text helps us with. What does this faith look like That's the first question. And then how can we have this faith? How do we get this faith? And then the third question is, what is the basis of this faith? So let me first read the text. So open up your Bibles there. You can follow along. 1 John chapter 5. And we're working on verses 1 through 13. And this is how the text goes. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the the water and the blood and the Spirit is the one and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. And whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. And because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord to us. And so let's take a look at these questions. So faith that overcomes fear. Here's the first question. What does this faith look like? I believe that verses one through three answers that question for us. It is about believing, loving, and obeying. Believing, loving, and obeying. Let's take believing first of all and keep your Bibles open. We'll refer back to, I'll show you where I get these thoughts from God's word. And so believing, verse 1a, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born again. The word believes here, the Greek means to think, to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to place confidence in. 
And so we're placing confidence in, we're believing uh, what we think to be true, to be persuaded of, to place confidence in. It's, it's about Jesus, that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah that has come to rescue us. Now, believing, we're saying believing is evidence that you have a faith um, to overcome fear is uh, it's as opposed to doubting, shrinking back, panicking during this pandemic. So believing as opposed to doubting, shrinking back, and panicking during this pandemic. Listen to what Hebrews 10.39 says. We are not those who shrink back. So he's talking about those who are believing in Christ. He says we are not like those who shrink back. And, and the word shrink back literally means timidity or being fearful. And so we're not like those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So that's believing, that's the first one. So what does it look like to have faith that overcomes fear? It's believing. Here's the second thing, it's loving. So believing rolls into loving. The second part of verse one, he says, Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. The word love here, we get uh, this word from the word agape. Uh, the Greek word here is agapeo, and it means to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. And as opposed to, so we're, we, we want to be loving as opposed to self-pity, bitterness, and hopelessness. And so the freedom Christ secured for us on the cross was not a life free of pain and problems, but a life free from self-pity, bitterness, and hopelessness, a life of love. And um, here's the best definition for love in the Bible. You're familiar with John 3.16? Well, here's 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for one another. And so God so loved us and hates our sin and suffering that he was willing to come down and get involved in it. Therefore, because of the cross, our Savior Jesus understands enough to sympathize and because of the resurrection, he is strong enough to, to save us, to sustain us, to satisfy us. And uh, because our Savior helps us in our suffering, we can help others in their suffering. And uh, so during this pandemic, I would uh, encourage you uh, to be smart, to be safe, but to be selfless. Look for ways to help the most vulnerable around you. As it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so what does this faith look like? Believing, loving, and the third one is obeying. Look at verse two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Love and obedience to God overflows in love for others is what he's saying here in verse two. Love and obedience to God overflows in love for others. Verse three, he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So this is obeying as opposed to abandoning God and seeking answers outside of God. And um, 
Uh, if, if you abandon God in suffering, it's evident, it's evident that you were seeking happiness from God, not in God. If you serve God to get from him rather than to be with him, when suffering hits your life, you're going to defect from God. So it really is, reveals why are you serving God? Do you have God in your life and are you seeking him as an end of your happiness or the means to the end of your happiness? And so he says here, uh, he uses the word burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. The Greek word here means severe, stern, and weighty. Now, you don't hear a hint of, of this in Psalm 119, 103. In fact, the whole chapter talks about God's word and this is just one example uh, in that chapter, Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Do you hear any sternness, severity, or weightiness in that? No, no, no. It's, burden, it, it's without burdens. It's, um, it's not burdensome to our lives. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, I, I put this on your notes. And I gave you three reasons why God's commandments are not burdensome. So I just want to walk through those very quickly here. The first reason is because our obedience is not performance motivated, but acceptance motivated. We don't obey him to get his blessing. We have his blessing in Christ. Therefore, we obey him. And so it's not performance oriented uh, or motivated, but it's acceptance motivated. We have an acceptance in Christ, therefore we want to honor him and live for him. Here's the second reason, because God's commandments are not arbitrary, but for our good. So God gave us his commandments out of his perfect love and infinite wisdom, knowing what is in our best interest. He gave us his commandments. Listen to me, God is always looking out for our best interest. And so he gave us his word to show us how he wants us to live. Here's the third reason why his commandments are not burdensome. Because God's commands reflect his character. And when we are obeying God, we are taking on the perfection of his character. We're becoming more like God. We call it Christ-likeness. It's called sanctification. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. So faith that overcomes fear is believing as opposed to shrinking back. Loving as opposed to bitterness and obeying as opposed to defecting from your faith. By the way, I've seen this happen in many people's lives when they hit suffering, that they, they tend to shrink back, they become bitter, and then they begin to kind of defect from the faith. And you don't want to do that. This is what believing looks like as you go through difficulties. And so how do we get this kind of faith? Well, verses four and five helps us with this. And uh, you must be born again. That's your next fill in the blank there on your notes. So how do we get this faith? You must be born again. Look at verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So if you're born of God, you will overcome the world. I'll define that in just a moment, what that means to overcome the world. And uh, the best way to overcome the world is a faith that overcomes fear. And, uh, and so you must be born again. Verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born again. I love the encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter three. Here's a very moral, highly respected religious leader 
And uh, he came and approached Jesus, and Jesus makes it very clear. If you want to see the kingdom, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you must be born again. And then, and then later on, he, he talks about where we have John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And to be born again, you must hear the gospel. So you gotta hear the gospel and then respond to the gospel with repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. To be born again, you realize that you are more sinful than you ever dared to think. You were so sinful, Jesus had to die for you. But you, at the same time, you also recognize that you are more loved than you ever dared to dream. He loved you so much, he wanted to die for you. To be born again means that you are made alive to the approval and presence of God and the gospel is the most amazing good news you have ever heard. That's what it means to be born again. The outward marks of being born again are believing, loving, and obeying. To overcome the world means to have faith that overcomes fear. It means that you overcome the sin and suffering of this fallen world. So to overcome the world, when he talks about overcoming the world, he's talking about overcoming the sin and suffering of this fallen world. And it means that sin doesn't overtake you and suffering doesn't overwhelm you. That's what it means to overcome the world. That's what it means to have a faith that overcomes fear. Sin doesn't overtake you, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, and suffering doesn't overwhelm you, John 16, 33. Remember when Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And not only do you need to be born again, you need to put your faith in, in Christ Jesus and be born again, but you need to exercise your faith. That's the next one on your notes in, in trying to understand how, how we can uh, get this kind of faith. So you gotta be born again and then you gotta exercise your faith. Look at verse four B, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So the word victory is, uh, the Greek word is Nike. That's where uh, that company Nike gets their name actually and it means victory. And so he's saying that, and this is the victory that has overcome. The word overcome here means to conquer the world and it's our faith. Verse five he says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So he's talking a little bit, he's kind of elaborating on our faith. Our faith, what is our faith? Believes that Jesus is the son of God. So, so you exercise your faith by, first of all, believing that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he came to do. You believe that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he came to do. Um, Faith isn't just a general belief in God. Oftentimes I've, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God. Oh, of course, I believe in God. No, no, no. Faith goes beyond just a general belief in God. It is believing that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he came to do. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a great definition of faith. It says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it goes on in verse six of that chapter. That's the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. Verse six, he says, without faith it is impossible to please God and whoever would come to him 
must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so faith is not a feeling, it's not a force, it's not a formula. There's some preachers on the airwaves that teach it like that. That's not faith. That's not what the Bible teaches. But faith is fellowship and friendship with God. And strong faith in a weak object is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong object. It's not the size of our faith, but the object of our faith that matters most. And so our faith is not in our government or the medical society or people coming together to fight this coronavirus. All of those are are very important for us to do. And yet our faith is not in any of those things. Our faith, our ultimate faith is in the person and work of Jesus Christ who can calm the storms or calm his child in the storms. Whatever you may be facing, Believe me, you can trust his loving, wise control. Whether he calms the storms or calms his child in the storms, he's with us, never to leave us or forsake us. No one loves you like Jesus. Believe me, and he will take care of you. He always has your best interest at heart. And so to grow the size of your faith, you must get to know intimately the object of your faith. And I've I've had people oftentimes say, man, I'm really struggling with my faith. I'm just really struggling with trusting God. Well, the struggle is at the, the level of knowing God. It's because you really don't know God. The more you get to know him, the more you will trust him. I love uh, Psalm 9, 9 and 10. It says, God is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know his name, his character, those who know his name will trust in him. Notice the the sequence there, how it goes, how it flows. So those who know his name, the better you get to know him, the more you will trust him. For he has never forsaken those who seek him. That's a beautiful couple verses there. So faith that overcomes fear is, is, is not the absence of problems, but the presence of Christ as we exercise our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Here's the next thing that we need to do is the, uh, the idea here, of how we exercise our faith. You exercise your faith by also practicing spiritual disciplines and applying God's word specifically to where your heart is most restless. So do you know how to do that? Do you know how to take God's word and begin to apply it specifically to where your heart is most restless, where you are struggling? The whole book of Psalms is all about that. Uh, And and what we, we learn and what you've heard me teach many times is don't express or repress, but reorder your emotions according to God's word. And the whole book of Psalms shows us how to do that. So uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. And so you've got to begin to work out your salvation. You have salvation if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now you need to work it out into the specific areas of your life. And that's what it's saying. And God gives us the desire and the ability to pull that off. There's a great example of... uh, of this, what I call a gospel gap, uh, Galatians 2.14, the apostle Paul confronts Peter's conduct of racism. And uh, basically what uh, Paul says uh, that 
Peter's conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. There's a gospel gap. So a gospel gap is when, when we believe one thing, but down here below that is our behavior. We're not behaving consistently with our beliefs. And so that's why we, uh, we exercise our faith by practicing spiritual disciplines and applying God's word specifically to where our heart is most restless. That's how we begin to narrow that gospel gap. That's why it tells us in 1 Timothy 4.8, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value for both this life and the life to come. And so I know, I know during this time when we're doing a lot of social distancing and you're not able to connect with others as well as you used to be, I know it's very easy to get really, really lazy spiritually. But you need to know a non-disciplined spiritual life will cost you more than a disciplined spiritual life. If you skimp on prayer and neglect the word, it will cost you shallowness, powerlessness, vulnerability to sin, preoccupation on trivial pursuits, superficial relationships, and a frightening loss of interest in worship in the things of the Spirit. And so let me ask you this question, you can think about this just for a moment, is what is our greatest spiritual weapon to overcome the world, to overcome sin and suffering? What is our greatest spiritual weapon that God has given us to overcome the world? Well, the answer to that is in Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So let me ask you this, what are your greatest go-to passages in crisis? Do you have an arsenal of passages that you run to, you go to, and you pull out that sword and begin to wield that sword? Here's another way of asking that question. How good are you at wielding the sword of the Spirit to kill anxiety, worry, fear, bitterness, hopelessness? See, God has given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love how it's said there. It's the Holy Spirit through God's Word that begins to chase away those crazy uh, anxiety and fears and, and all that tends to haunt us and harass us and hassle us in our life, especially during this, this pandemic. And so here's some of mine that I go to. I've got way too many to, to tell you all of my verses, but here's just a few of these. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His power in me is greater than anything I'll ever face. And here's another one, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs. My God shall supply all of your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Here's a verse that I was meditating on uh, as one of our brothers here in our fellowship passed away this, this last week. And, and, and in fact, these were the words that I spoke to his, his, his spouse as she was grieving. And, and this is what I said. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's here with you right now. And some of you need to hear that because there's just so much anxiety and fear in your life. And let me repeat that. It's Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then, of course, you might know uh, 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. So if you will be still and begin to know who God is then you will be still as you face hardship and difficulties and this pandemic. Uh, one last uh, 
set of verses here, Psalm 91.1. This is my uh, go-to verses. 9-1-1, I love it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. So there's just a few of those verses that I run to. What are the verses that you run to in time of need? I hope that you're building an arsenal and you're beginning to take those specific truths and apply them to the areas of your heart where you are most restless. That's how, how you exercise your faith. So faith that overcomes fear, what does it look like? Believing, loving, obeying. How do we get this faith? You gotta be born again, and you've gotta exercise your faith. So what is the foundation of this faith? What is the foundation of, of, of this faith? I think verses six through 13 answer that for us. And the, what is the basis of your beliefs? What is the credibility of your creed? By the way, everyone has a set of beliefs. Everyone has, uh, has a creed that they live by. Everyone has some kind of faith. It might not be faith in God, but it's faith in something. And so what is the foundation of that faith? And God gives us a rock-solid foundation here. And in fact, keep in mind, crisis is inevitable and reveals whether we have built our lives on the rock or on the sand, as Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you build your life, your meaning, hope, and happiness on sand that is created things, and, and then suffering, if you do that, suffering will take it from you. But if you build your life on the rock, the creator, Suffering will drive you deeper into his love and strength. So John is pointing to historical events that prove that Jesus is the Christ in these verses. And as in a courtroom where you have two or three witnesses in order to win a case, John's evidence or testimonies are, are the following. And by the way, I'll give them to you here all together and then we'll kind of walk through them. But these are the facts that produce the faith that overcomes the fears in our lives. So it's rock solid, it's, it's a rock solid foundation. And so in this text he tells, he tells us the fact of water, blood, and the Holy Spirit. Those are the three facts. And the water represents Jesus' water baptism. Uh, Jesus was baptized, and when he was baptized, at his baptism, uh, the Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove, and the Father's voice rang out from heaven, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so we have that, that's a strong argument, because it was giving validity to this man, Christ Jesus, that he is truly the Son of God, come from heaven to earth to rescue us. And then there's the blood. This represents Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus was crucified as our sin bearer and rose from the dead proving that the sacrifice was complete and acceptable. If you want to read on this a little bit more, there's, there's quite uh, some extraordinary events that happen at his resurrection. You can find that in Matthew 27, 51 through 54. And so you got the water, Jesus' uh, water baptism, the blood, Jesus' death on the cross, and then you have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is about glorifying Jesus as it tells us in John 16, 14. So when we believe in him, believe in Christ Jesus, God speaks further testimony to our own hearts that Jesus is the Christ uh, who has made us alive. Now, 
this three uh, pieces of evidence give unshakable proof that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, God in the flesh, who offered himself as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sin that we might be reconciled to God. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that bears witness of this in our hearts. So how do you know the work of the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in your heart? Well, what happens is that you begin to see that Christ is more desirable and satisfying than anything else in this world. As I said earlier, the gospel message is the most amazing message you've ever heard. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you want to follow Christ with your whole heart, he begins to change what you love, what you hate, and, and, the, and the things that motivate you in life, the values that you live for. He changes all of that. And so your acceptance or rejection of the evidence will determine your present and future life. Therefore, repent and believe in him or forfeit eternal life. Verses 11 and 12, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. There's a great analogy uh, from marriage that we could use here, great analogy uh, to this in marriage. When, uh, When a person is asked, are you married? The answer may be yes or no, but it cannot be, "Mm, I'm not sure. Um, That would be weird. And so you either are or you aren't. And the same is true for the question, do you have life? If you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life. You have death. And... um, And so you either have life or you have death. If you do not have Jesus Christ, however full your life may seem, it lacks the vital life-giving center and thus is only a husk or a shell without any substance. And circumstances, negative circumstances, suffering, this pandemic will blow you around like chaff, as it tells us in Psalm 1. And uh, verse 13, it says, I write these. He gives one of the, kind of another purpose statement for this First uh, John. And he says in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So here we go. To know that you know God is a slice of heaven on earth and it will give you a faith it will give you a faith that overcomes fear now this next weekend we will finish our study in first john we'll be looking at spiritual warfare and uh, you can read ahead first john 5 verses 14 through 21 also this coming sunday march the 29th in the evening at six six o'clock in the evening On Facebook, we will be doing a live streaming, working through the growing notes with with some of our staff members. And you are welcome to join us. That's on Facebook, 6 o'clock this coming Sunday, March the 29th. And you can join us, and we welcome you to join us and respond live with comments and questions. And so we're going to do that.
this coming Sunday. We're going to try to keep that up for a while. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. So Father God, when we consider the innumerable riches that we have by grace through faith in Jesus, there is every reason There is every reason for us to respond to this pandemic with faith that overcomes fear. We pray that this faith would be evident in our believing, our loving, and our obeying, and and that we we would not shrink back, become bitter, or defect from you, but it would drive us into your love. We pray for for those who need to be born again to have this strong faith that they would, even right now, even as we are praying, that they would acknowledge their sin that that separates them from you and believe that Christ died on the cross for their sins and confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior and give their life to him and live their life for him. And, And so I pray that they would do that even right now. And we ask that you would help each one of us through spiritual disciplines to get really good at wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God to kill self-pity and anxiety and bitterness and hopelessness. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that our faith is founded on the unshakable fact of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We pray all of these things for our joy and your glory in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. Love you guys. God bless you.